Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Well, today was International Women's Day and there are lots of events and celebrations taking place around Ireland and indeed around the world. But are these events just tokenism and do they mask still a level of inequality that's happening in Ireland? Let's debate this now with Kitty Holland, social affairs correspondent with the Irish Times and Tanya Sweeney, feature writer and columnist with The Independent. Kitty, I want to start with you. I've been around Dublin today and I've seen plenty of events taking place in hotels and there's been lots of other state official events. But when you look at some companies bragging on the internet about how they're celebrating Women's Day, it does actually hide some of the things that companies do, such as pay women less than their male employees. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that sounds lovely, wandering around the town today. goes very sense. I was at home working and getting the kids' dinner ready, but that's... Uh, Fact-finding um, research, Kitty. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose when you look at the origins of um, these kind of days like Gay Pride and, you know, International Women's Day, you know, they, they originated at a time when there was huge levels of oppression and discrimination and inequality um, and, and have, you know, have evolved over time from being very fringe events that in which very few people participate um, to being kind of big mass celebrations. And I, I mean, I suppose that's a sign of progress and that things have improved. Um, an awful lot for you know the, 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 those communities and, and for and for women and for you know, gay lesbian, but <laughs> yeah, I mean there's there's a, a lot more to do. Um, for for women, I suppose you'd be saying that yes, that women are still paid less, that women are um, they struggle to get to the the top of um, you know boards and of management and that kind of thing, and that you know the everyday reality of life for women is still that women are you know shouldering the vast burden of the care responsibilities, whether that's and um, and most of that is unpaid, um, that women are you know generally are the carers for children with disabilities, for older parents, for children um, and, and increasingly women you know two incomes are needed in households to pay the rent and pay pay mortgages and that kind of thing so women are as I can tell you in my life generally up from sort of six, half six seven in the morning and working all the way through to nine or ten at night trying to cover the double shift um, and that's that's an inequality that um, I know an awful lot of men are doing the same thing but disproportionately we find in all the surveys that women do more of the care work they are paid less, they get less sleep, they have less leisure time, they have uh, more stress in their lives, more mental ill health, more self-harm, you know, all the all the old things that go, go with that. And that life for women is still tougher than it is generally for men. Um, and, you know, for... for for middle class women it's tougher than for middle class men but for you know for poorer women in particular they're still facing huge barriers in terms of trying to have uh, you know lives where they can thrive um, particularly if they've got children and particularly if they're lone parents you know the homeless population in the family population is still disproportionately populated by lone parent families headed by women um, women children in lone parent families generally most of them headed by women are most at risk of poverty so there's a lot of structural systemic um, cultural issues for women that are still far from solved. Tanya Sweeney, I'm reading your column about it in The Independent and it's very, it is very good, but you talk about it ticking boxes and this is, let's once we've done the hashtags, that's all the work done. 
Yeah, I mean, I've just spent the entire day rolling my eyes. I'm ready. My eyes are ready for bed. I'll tell you that. Um, I mean, look, what's great about International Women's Day is, you know, we acknowledge and we hear about, you know, how women have been objectified, patronised, you know, how there is just no gender inequality. And, you know, and how, you know, we also hear about how incredible women are and how they need to lean on each other to become a force for betterment. But what I'm sick of hearing is stuff like, you know, companies like Strava, who launched a hot girl walk for International Women's Day, whatever that is, and the the Women's Fiction Prize turning their logo a hot pink with the strap line, pink isn't just a colour, it's an attitude. Well, no, actually, pink is the colour that's linked to the gender stereotyping of women, isn't it, really? So there's just been all this kind of crap going on all day. I mean, I've kept an eye on Twitter. There's a fantastic um, Twitter account, by the way, called the Gender Pay Gap Bot, they basically take any company that starts blathering on about empowering women on International Women's Day and they talk about uh, exactly what uh, the gender pay gap is in that particular organisation. And let me tell you, some of the uh, percentages, I'm looking at them right now, in one organisation, the women's median hourly pay is 34.4% lower than men's. So, you know, forgive me now if I'm not kind of jumping on board and, and jumping up and down and and uh, going absolutely crazy over the International Women's Day hashtag. And also, you know, the guys that are also, you know, uh, performatively going on about the the women in their lives who are, you know, phenomenal and strong and, and you know, are amazing. Amazing. Yeah, come back to me when you haven't set, proved, when you can prove that you haven't said in the last seven days, you know, uh, have you noticed that I've mopped the floor? You know, I mean, the whole thing is just so hollow. We're going to go back tomorrow to the same old crap that we had yesterday, you know, uh, without the platitudes. So, you know, sorry if I'm not overly inspired here. Kitty, the big government announcement today was made very early on. Tishuk Leo Varadkar announcing that a referendum will be held later on this year to enshrine gender equality into the constitution, which increasingly our constitution, both from the preamble and some of the articles in it, looks increasingly antiquated. But what practical benefits will that have as opposed to announcing policies, concrete policies now that could impact women and for the good? Yeah, I mean, there's there's possibly up to three referendums coming down the track on this, um, and I think it probably will be three because there's three distinct issues on gender equality they want to tackle, which are is the kind of uh, the 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 definition of family in the constitution, which is based on marriage, which obviously excludes lone parent, you know, families headed by lone parents or families where the grandparents have the custody of the children. Um, so it's, it's the valorization of marriage continues in in the in the constitution. Also, the women's place in the home, that's going to be up for proposals that that should be deleted and replaced with some other more kind of general, gender neutral um, article that values the care work that happens in the home. Um, and then there's a article, I think it's 41.1, which 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 talks about all, all citizens being equal under the law and they're trying to make that more explicitly um, gender, gender neutral and talk about discrimination um, explicitly. So, I mean, these things, again, are, are important. They, um, the, the symbolism and the, is important and the statement of intent and sets the tone for the society that we live in. Um, but, yeah, in terms of what it means, that's, you know, will have to be teased out a, a lot before we even go to the, go to the polls um, because there are implications in terms of, um, you know, if, if, you, if, if we put in language about the, the value we put on care, well, what type of care and who does that care work and how will it be how exactly will it be valued? Because at the moment, care work in in most societies in the world, Ireland's not alone in this, is is done by women. It's unpaid. It's not valued. It's not 
paid for. It's not respected. You don't get holiday time. You don't get sick pay. You don't, you know, it's just get on with it because, you know, you're the people who do this and you've always done it. So there are a lot of implications that we would, you know, would need to be teased out and, and we'd like to see, you know, the legislation that would accompany the changes. Um, so there are things that would make a big difference to women's lives um, if we did value care work and, and the care that women do, uh, you, you know, if we had a good affordable child care, if we had uh, community home help services that would, you know, free up women from having to do an awful lot of the care of elderly and disabled family members. Um, so there's, there's, yeah, the symbolism is really important. The language is really important. But what about the policies and the rights and the um, everything that goes with um, actually making a reality of the respect that's given to care work and to uh, to women? And you know, again, I come back to lone parents. Um, you know, that who don't who are so disproportionately heading up the families in poverty because they don't have access to main the main reason being they don't have access to affordable childcare. You can't go out and have a career and be a great role model for your children if there's no child care to look after the children while, you, while you're out doing it. Um, so, yeah, you know, the symbolism Tanya, is great, but go on. I, I, want to bring in Tanya, I want to bring in Tanya on this as well because you, Kitty mentioned some very practical things here that need to be done, yeah. but there are also things that, have to, that need to be happen, happen right now, not after a referendum, but you think of gender-based violence, something you've been writing for about sure. in your column as well. These are things mm-hmm. that impact women now on the streets and we've seen that over the last couple of years, how important there are other things than changing the constitution. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I am very much looking forward to seeing how any change to the constitution is going to, you know, affect the day-to-day lived experience of women in this country, you know. And if we were to start kind of listing off the things that women would like in the name of gender parity, we'd be here till about nine o'clock. Gender-based violence is probably, you know, one of the simplest ones. A woman being able to walk out um, of her house and feel safe, you know, physically safe in the same way that most men, you know, are able to do that, you know, just as a matter of course in their daily lives, be a great place to start for sure, you know. But but as Kitty mentioned, you know, childcare, an absolutely humongous um, obstacle in, in most, you know, people's lives, you know, and one that hits women probably harder than it hits men for sure. OK, Kitty Holland, social affairs correspondent with the Irish Times and Tanya Sweeney, feature writer and columnist with the Irish Independent. Thank you very much for joining us for that item. I would actually like to read out some of the text messages but most of them are coming from men and I think if I did read them out it would absolutely appall some of the women we've spoken to today and have had across Today FM today so if you have texted in right now and your man have a, just a reflection on what you've sent in The Last Word with Matt Cooper Weekdays from 4.30 Today FM